Welcome to Punditocracy, Lawrence.com's politics and culture talk show, where we warn listeners in advance, if I hear one more person utter the word muggle under any circumstances, I will strangle the life out of them with my bare hands, then defile their corpse using a wizard hat-shaped strap-on. I'm Gavin, along with Aaron. And you are listening to a truncated version of Punditocracy. We're missing uh, 50% of the pundits, but we will soldier on on our lonesome. It's just me and Gavin together in the studio. <laughs> you poor, poor bastards Recording. that are listening to this. And Gavin smells really bad, too. That's so true. I'm going natural. Yeah. All natural. Uh, he hasn't shaved in weeks. That's true. I have my face I've shaved, but uh, my pubes are out of control. They're just forests. I know. There's vines creeping out of my pants right now. <laughs> and he is not lying, people. There is hair coming out of his shirt, out of his pants, yeah. out of his shoes. They're creeping like kudzu to yeah. consume Aaron it's right now. It's just really disgusting. <laughs> but here on Punditocracy, we usually begin the show with my long-winded ramblings about something or another. However, I'm going to askew that. And we're going to turn it over to the people now because, my goodness... This is a, uh, a brand new and unique situation. We've actually received a posted comment no. on the website. Oh, my God. I know. I about fainted. I had the vapors when I found out. But I think in honor of this seminal occasion, for this is the first comment we've received, Right. I'm just going to read this mother in its entirety on awesome. air. You know, it only took, what, now eight episodes yeah. for somebody to finally email us? I think it's sinking in fine. Yeah, I think so. I think we're catching on. We're, we're moving up in the world. <laughs> we're right. moving up. Only good things will come now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Please. First the iPod, next the world. Right. I'm sorry. Please yes. read the comment. Yes, you don't have to apologize to me. Apologize to Yed, yeah. our loyal listener who decided to go out of his way and post something. I really, I really hope that's not his real name. If <laughs> it is, his parents are raging assholes. <laughs> Just imagine all the, the, the you know the name calling on well, the now, playground. Yeah. People call him Yeti, stinky mountainous ape. Uh, <laughs> now, do you think that Yed is? Now, I was thinking about this before the show. I, I have no idea if Yed is a guy or a girl's it's name. It's true. It's it's a genderless name. It's uh, a, it's male, female, or she male. She male could have an engorged clitoris, yeah. therefore counting as male and female. We just don't know. Why don't we just play it safe and call it it? Yes. Or Here is what you know. What let's just call. Them yet. Them yet. Okay. And now, without further ado, right. here is Yed's comment. In fact, they're suggestions, and we're going to read the suggestions, and then afterwards we're going to respond to each one of the suggestions. Okay. From Yed's lips to your ears. Here are some ideas for your next show. One, Gavin needs to have at least two hot dogs in his mouth when speaking. Since he does most of the talking, this could increase interest exponentially. Imagine how excited people would be about that. Two, Aaron needs to invite his friend and lover, NJ, back for another interview. And this one should be more in-depth and longer-lasting. Yeah, Gavin, laugh at that with two hot dogs in your mouth. Three, we haven't heard anything lately about Galen's rash. Any progress there? Mine's starting to clear up. Four, you really need to have an entire episode devoted to Robert Novak, douchebag of freedom. Perhaps a short prose with all of you playing characters in his great adventures in international espionage and child pornography. Thanks for your time, and give my love to my illegitimate children, Yed. Actually, Yed, thanks for your time. Yes. Because, you know, we do this for our listening audience. We do it for your pleasure and your enjoyment. And we try to keep you, the listener, 
as informed as possible. It's all for you people. If we didn't have you, I would be cutting myself with razor blades all up and down my inner thigh. I'd be living out in the wilderness somewhere, just living like a hippie, not working. Eating berries. Eating berries. <laughs> and bear leavings. But now, Yed. No, let's respond. Let's respond to Yed's suggestions because they are good ideas, and I think they deserve some discussion. Right. Well, I'm, the, the hot dog thing, yes, number yes. one. Now, Yed, how do you know that Gavin doesn't have two hot dogs in his mouth right now, or some other orifice on his body for that yeah, matter? Yeah, I could just be that talented that I have two entire hot dogs in my mouth. However, I'm still speaking so eloquently and clearly. I had uh, enunciation lessons as a child. Right. But but no, actually, I'm just pulling your leg, Jed. Uh, however, I did bring hot dogs with me to the studio. However, Galen's crabs have grown so monstrous and so hungry that they ate both of the hot dogs out of my mouth as I sat here prepping for the show. It's, 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 it's getting out of hand. Yeah, crabs. and yet you may think that uh, Gavin's full of shit, but um, he's not bullshitting you. That really happened. He made an effort to bring hot dogs in and stick them in his mouth, but it just didn't work out. Yes, way, uh, so. Galen's parasites are now Alaskan king crabs. Yeah, and, and they're... Uh, they're Amazingly large parasites too. So. They were actually in the uh, Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest. I don't know uh. if you saw that over the Fourth of July week. Oh, I did. Actually, they're, yeah, they were they were pulling up the rear. They almost caught that Japanese guy who wins every year. Oh, that Japanese guy that weighs like a hundred and twenty yeah, pounds, but yes. can still wolf down like yes. forty hot dogs. Or Galen's something. crabs were competitive. However, somebody brought some prescription shampoo and a small cone. Right. And they were cleansed out of the competition. Right. Uh, number two. Oh, number two. Number yes. two. Aaron needs to invite his friend and lover MJ back. I don't know, Aaron. What, what do you think? Have, have, can you pull some strings? Well, you know, first off, um, I'm glad you enjoyed my first interview with Michael Jackson. Um, I believe personally, and not trying to toot my own horn, but I believe toot away, my friend. I believe toot it was away. a um, a great piece of journalistic work. And um, Jed, I or, or Yed, I have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the Swedish pronunciation. Right, right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I have a special surprise for you. I pulled some strings with um, some high, important journalists that I uh, that I know. And defense and, attorneys. And defense attorneys. And um, I, I actually had to perform some evil deeds to, um, to pull these strings. But nonetheless, I have MJ... On the phone right now, and we, yes, and we are going to conduct a um, short interview with him just to check in with him and see how he's doing after his long, hard court battle. So, well, this is this is throwing me for a loop, Aaron. I'm yeah, well, it. it's a special surprise, and you, you once again, I'm doing this for um, for you, the listener, because I know that all of you out there are very concerned about Michael Jackson and just want to be reassured that he is doing okay. So. Hold on just a second. I'm going to... Uh, we'll, we'll set up this link here. Yeah, and uh, again, kudos to Aaron. He has more journalistic sources than Robert Novak, Deep right. Bag of Freedom. Right. So in, fact, in fact, I think he had Carl Rove on the okay. phone before the show. But uh, MJ, are you there? Yes, I'm here. My goodness, MJ, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me back on Punditocracy. Oh, it's, it's such a great show. It's our honor, MJ, uh, to have a an internationally renowned child molester of your caliber on this show just elevates our show above the fray. Now, see, there you go. Why do you have to call me a child molester? I would never hurt a child. I never, I just, I love children. I would never want to harm a child. <laughs> That's right. You're not a child molester. You're a child imagineer. But uh, how, how but do you... But that's, that's <laughs> ignorant. That's just <laughs> ignorant. Why would you say that? I love children. 
I would never hurt a man. You're right, Michael. That was below the belt, much like most of your dealings with children. That's just ignorant. But, but, but MJ, how are you holding up after your ordeal in court? Oh, well, I'm doing a lot better. You know, quite honestly, they, those, those months when I was in, in court was just very stressful. And I got through the days by drinking a lot of Jesus juice. And, and a lot of young boys came over to my house to, to sort of, I don't know, sort of uh, give me hope that I'm going to get through this. Emotional support. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, with the And athletic supporter. With, with, the, with the support of those young boys, I was able to get through this, this horrible ordeal. But, you know, the courts, I, I have just total faith in our justice system, and they came through, and, and they found me not guilty, because I'm not ever guilty of, of hurting a child. Uh, so have you ran into O.J. on the golf course lately, Michael? I don't play golf. I'm okay. sorry. I'm more interested in, in having young boys over to my house and, uh, and trying miniature to Miniature golf. Them. You're into the right, miniature golf. trying to help them and love them. And, you know, it's not sexual. It's just I, I invite them over and, and, and they sleep in my bed. And I just tuck them in and, and um, read them a story. And we do <laughs> some Jesus so, so, so what you're saying, that, that accusations of this sort are, in fact, not angelic. They are, in fact, maybe. Well, I just think that's just ignorant. <laughs> that's just <laughs> totally ignorant. Oh, I just tried to get you to say devilish one more time. No. <laughs> I would never harm a child. Why do you think that I would ever do anything to harm? I love children. I know you do. And I know that you love children so much that you rushed out. And you, you probably bought the latest Harry Potter novel that was released uh, the wee hours of this morning. Well, I'd love to go out and buy the new Harry Potter book, but unfortunately there's a court order saying that I can't be around Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> a fictional character. You have a restraining order against you regarding a fictional character. That's, that's pretty impressive, Michael. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I thought, too. I don't know why the courts wouldn't want me around Harry Potter, but <laughs> it's a court order, and I can't violate that. <laughs> oh, oh, well... Uh, Michael, I, I, I don't want to get you into murky legal territory here, so I think we're going to have to uh, put our call short because I certainly wouldn't want you to say anything that would get you in any more legal hot water. Uh, however, thank you very much for stopping by. Well, today. thank you, and I just love your show. And anytime you want me to come back on as a special guest, I would be more than willing. God bless everybody. And just please, when you, when you go through the day, just think about the children and just do everything you can to to help children and enrich their lives. <laughs> Thank you very much, MJ. We're going to have to call the, cut the call short right now because the, the stench of Boone's Farm and Pepsi, even over the phone, was making my stomach turn a little bit. Oh, yeah, he's uh, an interesting guy. He is. He is. Uh, Sorry, I just uh, got some goose flesh yeah. running up and down my Yeah, head. that was for you. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, oh, my goodness. We're just going to have to move on from that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think so. But number four. <laughs> but it was good to hear from Michael. It was Michael, good to hear from you know. MJ's. He's it's, holding up. It's good to see that we can actually get some celebrities to actually be on Even our show. Even disgraced celebrities <laughs> accused of child molestation. Right. That's about the level that we're playing on here on Punditocracy, <laughs> folks. Uh, but number four in Yed's list of suggestions. Number three. Oh, yeah. Apologize. Yes. Me. I was getting ahead of myself. Right. I was getting so excited from speaking with MJ. <laughs> we haven't heard anything lately about Galen's rash. Any progress there? Uh, well, as a matter of fact, there well, has been a lot of progress on Galen's rash, right. and his, his rash has been making tremendous progress. And in fact, 
along with the Great Wall of China, Galen's rash is now visible from outer space. Yeah, oh God. It's, it's, it's bad. I know, it's bad. <laughs> but um, there is a lesson to be learned here with Galen's rash. Um, actually, Galen went down to uh, Tijuana, the happiest place in the world, and uh, he drank a little too much alcohol and decided that he wanted to get a Tijuana hooker. Mm. And he woke up the next morning with a awful rash in the genitalia region, which then proceeded to cover the rest of his body. And now, in fact, covered most of the contiguous southwest United States. That's right. Yeah. So the lesson for all you youngins out there who are thinking about taking a nice little spring break bash down in Tijuana, stay away for the Tijuana hookers. I've heard that Mexican goats make great lovers. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're really drunk and you're really desperate, just do that. You're probably not going to catch anything. And uh, I heard that if you just drop a tequila worm in its last throes, much like the Iraqi insurgency, right. according to Dick Cheney, if you, if you drop a tequila worm within its last throes and its death throes in your rectum, I hear that's just as good as sex. All that, that wiggling and squirming, it's uh, it it'll save you a lot of trouble in hospital bills, unless of course it dies and there's an infection up there. But well, um, I've never heard of that, Gavin. And, and you know what? It might be wonderful, but I'm sure as hell not going to try that anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> Stick with humping pinatas, children. I think that's the real lesson from Galen's misadventures in Tijuana. Yeah, sex with pinatas. But now, number four, you really need to have an entire episode devoted to Robert Novak, Douchebag of Freedom, perhaps a short prose with all of you playing characters. And in fact, uh, I've heard on the grapevine, Aaron, that you are yeah. in fact working on this. Yeah, I am actually, it's funny that you actually mentioned this because I am actually working on a book right now about Robert Novak's sort of misadventures throughout the world. Um, and actually, Yed, I, you know, I, I've been thinking about a title for a long time for this book. Um, and actually, Robert Novak, Douchebag of Freedom, I think I'm going to email you back, Yed, because I think you're onto something there, <laughs> and if I can use that title for my book, I will give you point zero 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 one percent of all of the money <laughs> that I make off of it. Now, in all fairness, we have to point out that Robert Novak, Douchebag of Freedom, was coined by The Daily Show. Oh, was it? It was coined by The Daily Show. Ah, damn it. And, uh, yeah, so... So I'm sure I'm going to have some sort of legal trouble. Yeah, John, 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 John Stewart will, will be all up in your ass, much yeah. like a dying tequila word. Great. Um, but, but, yeah, look for that book. Yeah, I think it's going to be out in late fall, I believe. Yeah. So Yeah, uh, from Simon & Schuster, I believe. Yeah. It uh, covers... Just about everything. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> liver spot to liver spot. Yes. <laughs> jowl to jowl. jowl, to jowl. <laughs> Speaking of that, I was wanting to produce a, a passion play, uh, much like the, uh, the old Christians did, Renaissance era Christians did, right. because Robert Novak is the douchebag of freedom, and he is a martyr for our freedom. Uh, so courageously outing undercover CIA agents. That's right. Well, but it's, you know, for the good of the country. Yes, according to Fox News right. analysts. Um, and I was I was hoping in this passion play to play Robert Novak's plastic hip. Oh, well, I think you would you would be cast well as his plastic Shoot. hip. I'm a very bony guy, yeah. so I think that I, I have a lot of sharp edges. I would be able to play this uh, cybernetic hip yeah. that has been implanted in Robert Novak. And I think I think Aaron and Anna could play Novak's uh, jowls, jowls yes. respectively, right yeah. and left. Galen, uh, I suppose he could play Novak's rash since he already has enough experience yeah. in this field. And I'm sure Robert Novak has plenty of rashes on his body. So, <laughs> and, and I'd like to go back to uh, Yed's original point—not one of his original, but his original comment 
uh, perhaps a short prose with all of you playing characters in his great adventures in international espionage and child pornography. We should point out that child pornography to Robert Novak it's is like 40 year yeah, olds. Year old. right. So it's not as filthy as it sounds because right. Robert Novak is, in fact, older than God. Yeah. He's got to be at least 90. Yeah. So child pornography is, you know, swank hustler. Yeah. And maybe some of your upper crust ones like jugs. I'm sure Robert Novak has molested his share of women in his lifetime. Yes, because uh, he is, as said frequently, a douchebag of freedom. Yes, he and is. And he exercises those douchebaggery freedoms frequently. But speaking of Robert Novak. Yes! Robert Novak, of course. What about that Carl Rove character? Carl Rove! And we have to again thank Yed for writing in. And for anyone else who'd like to write in, pounding the pundit at yahoo.com or just leave a comment on lawrence.com and we will devote as much time analyzing your comments as we are so lonely we are we just want to hear from you we do this all for you people we need validation right we just want something just a little something back in return it's not that much to ask for yes we're too poor to afford psychotherapy so we just need a little bit of ego stroking from you fine listeners out there in the lawrence.com right blogosphere and since we are uncensored there are no taboo subjects fuck right (laughs) There are no taboo subjects. You can email us anything you want. Yes. And we will discuss it, no matter how sick and demented it is. Yes. Uh, Again, props to Yed. And thank you for Yed for providing us with this segue into our first topic tonight. Carl Rove. Oh, Carl Rove. Old Turd Blossom himself. Ah. Turd Blossom, of course, the affectionate nickname that President Bush has assigned his right-hand man and closest political advisor, Carl Rove. Turd Blossom. Mm. Turd Blossom is in the thicket, in the midst of this ongoing grand jury investigation into the outing of undercover CIA operative Valerie Plame for political purposes, political retaliation, one might say. And there has been a journalist jailed already in this grand jury investigation, Judith Miller of yeah. the New York Times. And Matthew Cooper of Time Magazine has complied with the grand jury investigation and has offered up his notes and sources. Which are going to go back to Karl Rove, yes. I am assuming. And they already have. In fact, Newsweek published this last week one of the emails that were in the bundle that Time Magazine provided right. to the grand jury investigation in which... It is laid out clearly that Cooper and Rove had, at the very least, conversations about Joseph Wilson's wife, Valerie Plame. Joseph Wilson is the ambassador, former ambassador from Africa, who was sent by the State Department to investigate the yellow cake accusations from the Bush administration in Niger. Uh, whether or not Saddam Hussein sought to purchase enriched uranium in Niger for weapons of mass production. Weapons of mass destruction. Production. <laughs> production. <laughs> the mad rhymes I'm kicking here. I've got flow. Right, and this was President Bush's um, really major example of why we should rush to war with Iraq. Yes, because so Saddam Hussein almost had those weapons of mass right. destruction in his hands. It's, it's a little interesting that um, her name was leaked right before she was yes. about to file her report saying that, it, that Saddam Hussein had not tried to purchase any nuclear weapons material from Niger. Yes. And Joseph Wilson, uh, who was investigating these claims about Saddam Hussein trying to purchase enriched uranium, 
wrote a scathing New York Times op-ed piece. Oh, the New York Times. But that's just liberal propaganda. It's liberal trash. trash. You can't listen. It's it's a liberal tampon soaking up all of the menses in the liberal universe. You can't listen to what those propagandists think. They're just a bunch of unpatriotic Americans (laughs) that just want to destroy your freedom. And thankfully, Karl Rove is there to put their lives in danger. That's right. But anyway, Joseph Wilson... Or jail them. Yes, Joseph Wilson is the one who wrote this op-ed piece criticizing these claims from the Bush administration. Joseph Wilson is married to Valerie Plame, who is an undercover CIA operative who was investigating weapons of mass destruction proliferation. So... It's just kind of a funny dink that uh, a few days after Joseph Wilson writes this op-ed piece criticizing the Bush case for war, Robert Novak comes out with this column and outing just, Joseph Wilson's wife. Who happens to be a deep undercover CIA agent. Yeah. The accusations from Novak and the rest of the right being that Valerie Wilson, yeah, actually, yeah, technically Valerie Wilson, yeah. Mrs. Joseph Wilson, her maiden name is Plame. Uh, Valerie Plame somehow pulled strings to get Joseph Wilson this this cherry job to investigate uranium in Niger. Like, that's such a great assignment. (laughs) Yeah, if I worked for the CIA, I think one place I wouldn't want to be undercover would be Niger. (laughs) Investigating uranium. Yeah. (laughs) But, but yeah, that's, that's the grand conspiracy theory, though, even though it's not possible for an undercover CIA agent to do that, right. to uh, you know, uh, grant that sort of accreditation, even if it is her husband. Right. Well, and let's also not fail to mention that um, giving, blowing a CIA operative's cover is a felony under U.S. law, yes. and you can go to jail for up to, I believe, twenty years. Yeah. For this crime. And you know what? It's treason. Because it is treason. You've damaged the United States' efforts in the war on terrorism. Well, first off, you have put an individual's life in yeah. danger. Um, and second off, you are jeopardizing national security. Yes, you're endangering the life of not only a U.S. citizen, but a uh, CIA operative who is attempting to secure the United States right. and uh, protect us from weapons of mass destruction. A very patriotic citizen, yes, if you will. Yes, uh, unlike Karl Rowe. Right. Somebody who <laughs> spent just concerned their, about power. Somebody who spent their entire life working in the CIA to try to make America safer and, and so to you, make the world right. a much better place for everybody to live in. Yeah. And getting into the details of this email from uh, Matthew Cooper to his editors regarding his conversations with Karl Rowe, I'll be the first to admit that there is no evidence yet that Karl Rowe knowingly outed Joseph Wilson's wife. Yeah, but do we know that, though? We don't know that. Because we don't know exactly what Karl Rove has testified for to the grand jury. The story is that Karl Rove, acting altruistically and out of uh, sincere idealism, trying to protect journalists from Uh, printing this story about Joseph Wilson, trying to steer them away from Joseph Wilson, who said that he was contacted by someone in the vice president's office to investigate these claims. Uh, I see. And so Carl Rove is saying, no, 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 he wasn't contacted by the vice president. It was his wife, who works in the CIA, who got him this job, even though that's not possible. Right. Um, so there is, there is no solid information that Carl Rove knowingly and maliciously 
outed the wife as an undercover CIA agent it, with the intent of outing her publicly. I'll be the first to admit this. However, what we do know is that the White House, in previous statements, said that Karl Rove had nothing to do with this investigation, right. which we now know concretely is not the case. In fact, he, it's, it's verified that he spoke with Matthew Cooper about this, even though the White House and Karl Rove himself have made statements saying that they had nothing to do with this, yeah. they weren't involved with this story. Uh, well, so they at the very it. least, we're talking about perjury. Yeah, well, they denied it for two years, yeah. and it will be very interesting to see how much higher up this goes, because um, President Bush has testified to the grand jury on this issue, and I'm not sure if Dick Cheney has. Uh, he may pretty still be, he has, yeah. He may still be hiding in a bunker somewhere if he <laughs> hasn't died of a 50th heart attack yet. <laughs> Yeah, he actually uh, was checked into a hospital a few weeks ago oh, for he? more palpitations. Well, you know, he kind of made his rounds, um, what, a few, oh, God, what was it? Beginning of the year, January, February, and then he's just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth since then. You know why? Two words, last throws. Yeah. <laughs> boy, yeah, boy, that Iraqi insurgency, it really is in its last throws, isn't it? Even though more Iraqi civilians and police officers are dying at a higher rate than before the elections of the Iraqi interim government, yeah, but even though Americans are still dying at the same clip in Iraq, oh, but the insurgency is in its last throws. That's right. Um, and because Cheney said this, uh, reporters left all over it, and the American people... See the dissonance between the administration's words and the incontrovertible evidence, the body count coming out of Iraq on yeah, the news every night. Uh, and that's one of the main reasons that Bush's uh, favorability is dropping like a stone. It's a 41% now. 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41%, 41
we're spreading democracy and freedom throughout the Middle East. And they, there really is a huge disconnect between their idea of what's going on in Iraq and what's actually happening in Iraq. And it's just very, very interesting. And yeah, I don't know if they, you know, privately they're very concerned about Iraq and they're just trying to put a uh, positive face on this conflict just to reassure the American public or if they really are disconnected. I don't think they're stupid. I think they're just lying. I think they're just lying, yeah. too. Uh, because there have been some recent internal memos leaked from the Republican National Party that the Republicans are going to try and announce an exit strategy next year before the elections. Of course. With a, bringing a majority of our troops home in the next uh, one to two years. Yeah, once again, though, I, that could spell political disaster as well because even though everybody wants to see a viable exit strategy... I think a majority of Americans understand at this point that we can't just pack up and leave Iraq, that we have to at least set some sort of stability in that country before we start withdrawing U.S. troops. I think almost actually the opposite. I think most Americans tend to believe that we need to send more troops to Iraq. I don't know. I think we're getting to the point now where generally there are still, there is still, I think, a bare majority of uh, United States citizens who support the war in Iraq. But I think that is solely because they don't want to be seen as criticizing the troops. They'll criticize the president for his handling of Iraq, but they don't want to criticize the war itself because that will be seen as criticizing the armed forces. Well, you and know... I think that if it is packaged in such a way, saying that we're trying to bring our troops out of harm's way with dignity... I think the American people would support a withdrawal, and I think that's why the Democrats need to get out in front of this, and they need to uh, offer a withdrawal strategy of their own. I'm not sure if I really necessarily agree with that. I think that a lot of Americans believed in the theory of, one, taking out Saddam Hussein, who was an awful butcher who had started two wars. Um, I, think they also, I think the American public also generally believed in the theory that by Going into Iraq, setting up a functioning democracy in the heart of the Middle East, which could potentially have a domino effect to other dictatorships in the Middle East. I think the American public in general believed that theory. I think that where the problem lies now is that they just don't like the way that George Bush executed yeah. this war and this plan. And, and I think that a lot of Americans believe that had initially the administration planned a little better for this war, that we might not be in the mess that we're in right now, and that we might actually have a functioning democracy in Iraq. Yes, however, Rumsfeld's planning was atrocious uh, and misguided, and now, on top of the American people criticizing the execution of the war, I think the American people are sick and tired of being lied to about how the right, war is absolutely. going. And this goes back to Karl Rove. Because this now, even if there are no criminal indictments in this case, it is now pretty obvious that there has been misleading information from the White House regarding Karl Rove's involvement in this. And um, I think this is going to only further damage Bush's credibility and his honest and straightforward persona. And I think that... <laughs> I, I, think, I think that pretty soon you're going to be seeing the, the next major media... Um, lead, the next major media uh, storyline is Bush as a failed presidency. Because with approval ratings now hovering in the low 40s, threatening to go into the 30s, that, I mean, I don't see how you can see that as anything other than a failed presidency. 
And I think that if this Karl Rove story goes any further, and in fact there are indictments either for <laughs> outing a CIA officer or for perjury, I think that you're going to see this presidency get to the point where they're crippled by scandal and it's going to drag the rest of the Republican Party down. Well, and you're absolutely right about the failed presidency. I mean, if you look at it, if you analyze point by point, war in Iraq, war on terrorism, economy, all of this, all of these issues President Bush has failed at in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, it's, it's just getting worse and worse and worse in foreign policy and in domestic policy. Yeah. And um, going, going back to the uh, issue of credibility, the Karl Rove story is a perfect example of this because just last year you had President Bush being asked about this because this investigation has been going on for uh, two years now. Yeah, it's, it's really been going since on the summer of 2003. Since the, right, since the war in Iraq started. Yeah, and um, President Bush has been asked about this frequently. Karl Rove has always been sort of a suspect in the back of everyone's mind about this. And well, so, I, I remember Dick Cheney being a... Yeah. A huge suspect. And if not well. Dick Cheney, then everybody's favorite political advisor, Scooter Libby. Scooter! Scooter! Go get him, Scooter! And Big Andrew, Dick's a Hazard fan, yeah. Scooter. Uh, Andrew Card might have played a role in this as well. Yeah, I mean, this, this could really taint the entire Bush administration from top to bottom. But Bush has been asked about this repeatedly in uh, last year's G8 summit around the same time. Uh, um, he was asked... Do you stand by your pledge to fire anyone found to be involved with the CIA leak case? Bush's one-word response, yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> we'll fire anybody. Yep. And then, oh, that's, that's Bush being, you know, straightforward, uh, straight shooter, man. You know, he's, he's honest. He's on the level. It's like black and white, man. You know, he's, he's a reformer. You know, this, this, uh, this uh, atmosphere of, of political corruption in Washington, he's not going to stand for it. He's going to restore dignity to the presidency. Yeah, right. <laughs> but then, then he's asked just this week the same question. Oh, it's an ongoing investigation. Yeah, Bush, here's the quote. We're in the midst of an ongoing investigation, and this is a serious investigation, and it's very important for people not to prejudge the investigation based on media reports. And again, I'll be more than happy to com comment on this matter once the investigation is complete. That is Clintonian language right yes, there. Yes, it is. The Republicans... Like, one of the reasons that Bush is so popular with the Republicans, uh, well, the majority of the Republican Party, is because he's seen as being too dumb <laughs> to be a Clinton. Yeah. He's seen as too dumb to dissemble, to, uh, to speak in that sort of legalese, uh, the plausible deniability stuff. But here's Bush. In an instance that is far more serious than what Clinton was involved in, fine, he had a blowjob. And he probably lied about it. Yeah, he, he got a blowjob from an intern. He probably committed perjury. But that's not even close to the level of outing a CIA agent, putting a woman's life in danger. A person who is trying to verify their own, right. the administration's own Je claims about weapons of mass destruction. Jeopardizing U.S. national security and then going to war in Iraq, lying about the reasons. Yeah, and here's, here's the kind of insidious conspiracy theory about this is that they intentionally wanted to out her and they wanted to shut down all of her investigations so that she could not pursue the allegations of weapons of mass destruction well, that's because they did not want to hear the answer. Right. Well, I mean, that's that's probably a very valid theory at this point. Yeah. I mean, because it seems, as we were talking about earlier, it seems very 
it seems very odd that um, she would have been outed right before the Iraq War. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, that's at the very worst. Right. I mean, that, that is high treason right there, I think. And that, that is a, a level of lying to the American public and a level of, of dishonesty that we haven't seen since the Nixon administration. Right. I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go as far as to say it's treason, uh, but certainly, certainly under U.S. law, it is It a is felony. illegal. It is at, yeah. It is so, illegal no matter what the specific charge is. Right. But speaking of the Nixon administration and Karl Rove, Karl yeah. Rove, he's got his sticky little tentacles in every corrupt Republican administration That's in right. the past thirty years. Uh, in fact, Rove worked for Nixon's infamous seventy-two re-election campaign during the Watergate era, working as a young Republican volunteer, infiltrating Democratic party headquarters, stealing stationery, then printing up fake invitations to Democratic orgies and bong parties and key-swapping parties to try and smear the Democratic opponents. And uh, <laughs> he's, he called it, and like Rove has admitted to this, you know, he's been thoroughly busted on this. He's like, oh, it's just a youthful prank. Oh, just a, even though he was breaking and entering and stealing private property committing. and trying trying to impugn the integrity committing of his crimes. Yeah, committing yeah. crimes. Youthful <laughs> prank. It's funny that that's never mentioned in the media or anything. No, no, because that just and seems he, so silly. Right. And he also anyone would do this. And he also worked for um, Bush's father's yes. administration, Bush one. Yes, and and he was. Um, he was, fired. he was fired by you Bush know why he was sacked? because you know why he, he was because he was leaking information to Robert <laughs> Novak <laughs> about <laughs> Bill Clinton. It's a very tidy bow that Carl like, <laughs> like 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 he brings everything full circle. This guy Carl Rove is the hatchet man. This is the amoral son of a bitch who in South Carolina in 2000 tried to smear John McCain as being unstable and unfit for the presidency because he was a POW and also tried to impugn his character by saying that he had an illegitimate black child. Oh. And Karl Rove's also the guy, when Bush was still governor of Texas, well, actually, when he was running for governor of Texas, Rove was the guy who tried to smear Ann Richards as being lesbian-friendly and, in fact, trying to imply that she was a lesbian herself. You see some of the same tactics you being used against Hillary Clinton right now. Right. Um, but yeah, this is this is what the Republican Party has come. This has become Rove's party right. of uh, disparagement and then lying about disparagement. Just lying on top of lying on top of lying until the lies get so big that you almost can't believe them and the media doesn't believe them anymore. And like they say, man, that is a big fucking whopper. And they just kind of accept it yeah. because there's no way that they're going to break message and admit anything. Well, the real it'll be really interesting to see what President Bush does because I, I mean, I believe that if it comes out that Karl Rove really is guilty of these alleged crimes, Bush is going to have to fire him. Oh yeah. And what's going to happen to the administration once Karl Rove is done? Because, you know, the the theory is is that Karl Rove is really sort of the guy behind the scenes who's holding everything together and really the person making the decisions, not just for the presidency, but also for the Republican, Republican Party. Party. Yeah. So it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens. There's some people that believe that if Karl Rove is gone, the Bush administration is essentially going to collapse. Yeah. And that, However, would, that would lead 
that's why a lot of people think that Bush hasn't fired Rove yet because he knows damn well that he may be completely fucked <laughs> if he doesn't have Karl Rove there holding his hand. However, I like to think that Karl Rove's reputation is greatly inflated. I think Karl Rove's only strategy is political thuggery, and I think his primary political tactic is shamelessness. Like, he will cross the line that nobody else will cross just out of but a sense is, of political I, decorum. But he is a political genius. I don't I think mean, he, is. he is. I think he's just he a liar, him. and I think he's just shameless, and I think he's just effective because he's willing to go farther than anybody else. And it takes those personality traits to be a political genius. However, if he's such a political genius, how would he allow himself to get caught so easily gossiping with Matthew Cooper of time? Because And basically, that's what he was doing. He was gossiping, and I think... Just because you're a political genius doesn't mean that you <laughs> don't suffer from arrogance, which I think is exactly what That's a good point. Here. That's a good point. He's gotten so power mad that he's arrogant, and he thinks right. he can get away with it. No, anything. he thinks that he's above the law, yeah. and he might be, because we really have no idea what his faith is going to be. I and I, I have this idea that absolutely nothing is going to happen to Karl Rove at all. I don't think that this grand jury... I don't, I don't think anything needs to be done. I think the damage has already been done. I think that there's been so much negative press about this, and in fact... I think that it would be better if he stuck around the, with the administration because Karl Rove is now radioactive. Right. Karl Rove is now nationally known as being a controversial figure with a cloud of corruption around him. Even if he is, indi if, if he is indicted, then he'll have to be fired, and then Bush will be able to say, well, I didn't know. We can move on. But now, now Bush yeah, is stuck with we, Rove if he's not indicted. But we don't know what Bush said about this. Yeah, it's true. And, I mean, there is certainly a possibility that if we find out that Bush has been lying for the last two years yep. regarding this particular issue, then it is possible that perjury charges could be brought up against President Bush. We don't know what Bush is testifying of. And we have absolutely no idea what his involvement in this this whole problem is. And I think that it has been underreported, the fact that Bush has spoken. With, I don't really know if he's testified under oath, but he has at least spoken with the special prosecutor. Right. Well, he probably didn't testify under oath. I mean, you got to remember he that he yeah. didn't testify under oath to the September 11th commission. And when he did testify, Dick Cheney was in the room holding with his, his hand up his ass. Yes. Because <laughs> Bush apparently can't do anything without at least... Dick Cheney or Karl yeah. Rove, or both. Because I, so. I, I do like to picture uh, Bush in a diaper and a bonnet being bounced on Cheney's knee. Occasionally, ah, occasionally being burped over his shoulder. There, there, George. Hey, you never know what goes on behind, uh, behind <laughs> those closed doors. <laughs> the discretion the of the president, you know. Uh, but, yes, this is an ongoing story, and it's an ongoing investigation. And we will, of course, be pounding Rove's balls on this show <laughs> as long as we're on the air. Because it's just too easy and it's too yeah. fun. Well, I have this idea that um, I, I don't know. I, I'm just not optimistic at all that, that anything's going to come out of this. Uh, I personally believe... I think there is, or else the investigation would have been called off. This, yeah. this guy, if... This guy Fitzgerald, who I, is a I special just, prosecutor. I don't know. I mean, I just have this idea that Karl Rove somehow is going to weasel his way out of this like he has in the past. Oh, yeah. That nothing's going to come about it. Um, yeah. Pretty much everybody is going to know that he is guilty of these crimes, but nothing will happen. He will not be fired by Bush. He will continue on. And you're right, Gavin. Maybe that will be a good thing for the Democrats coming up in 2006 yeah. and 2008. It'll be a you good campaign know? issue along with Tom DeLay. Uh, however, I do think it's funny that Rove 
before this story erupted, was in trouble for his comments about the liberals and conservatives' reactions to September 11th. Uh, and how he said, conservatives showed steel and prepared for war. And I just love this image of this guy who like fancies himself Conan the Barbarian, just like kind of on the phone, twirling the cord, yeah. gossiping with Matt Cooper. You know what I heard? Yeah. I heard that Valerie Plame is Joseph Wilson's wife, and he... Yeah. Uh, like some like sewing circle mistress. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shh, don't tell anyone, but this is what I heard. Yeah. The guy who has such steel in confronting terrorism. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think at the very least, it's been proven that the Bush White House, or at least the Bush press secretary and Bush himself, have already lied about yeah. what they're going to do well, with anyone who's found to be involved with this. And we know Karl Rove is involved. He's involved with this. He's talked to Matthew Cooper about this, and it's been confirmed now that he talked to Robert Novak about yeah. this. Speaking of press secretary... Um, <laughs> Ari Fleischer, former press secretary, is also involved. Did you happen to see um, Scott McCollin's press conference a couple of <laughs> days ago where he was just absolutely pounded by... <laughs> Journalists, his, te his testicles were crucified at that press briefing. And like, what happened? Like, what, like, where was this press corps in the run-up to the war in Iraq? Why were they asking these know. questions back then? They were so cowed. Why weren't they asking these questions before the 2004 election? Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, I, it's nice that they're finally asking some substantive questions and they're following up on some of the misdeeds of the yeah. Bush administration and the lies that they've been told. I mean, these people have been lied to since day one of the yeah. Bush administration, since you know, 2000, like January 14th, 2001. They've been lied to consistently about everything the Bush administration does. Now, all of a sudden, they decide they've had enough. Yeah. Well, I just love seeing Scott McCullough up there, just uh, nervous as hell. I've already answered that question. <laughs> look, uh, look, it's an ongoing investigation. Just, just come on. I already <laughs> said it's an ongoing investigation. Give me some slack. I've already answered that question. Like you can hear the flop sweat dripping yes. on his microphone. Yes. This this pudgy <laughs> this pudgy little man with thinning hair is up there. Like this poor bad. I actually feel bad for Scott McClellan. Well, not really, because he's lied to the American people. <laughs> yeah, but all press every day was like, yeah, I know that's all job. press secretaries lie to the granted. American public. But he's just so bad at it. <laughs> yeah, he is a awful press secretary. Like, I mean, like, Ari Fleischer was this sleek, like uh, manta ray who's yes. like just smirking at the press while he's lying to them to their faces. Well, and, and the press like, said, "Well, damn it, Ari, you're so good at it. We'll let you fuck us up the ass. Go ahead. You do it with such a plum and grace. It's, Please, it, it's we'll like grab Artie, our ankles for you." It's like Artie Fletcher knew he was spouting out a bunch of lies, and it's just like he, he enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. He loved it. He loved lying to the press, and he loved lying to the American people. He truly enjoyed his job. Whereas Scott and McClellan looks like he's constantly suffering from a bad case of taco farts. Uh, you know, uh, now he may just, you know, once he's done with his uh, his little uh, briefing, he may just go back and just start crying or something like, you know. <laughs> well, like McClellan just looks like a Catholic priest at a daycare. <laughs> you know, he's just like kind of, oh, he's like sweating and like his his brows furrow and he's trying not to lose control. <laughs> But yes, these recent press briefings, in fact, they've stopped having press briefings because yeah, Scott McClellan has been busy elsewhere, yeah. you know, being flagellated by Scooter Libby, probably. Yeah, maybe he's taking a much-deserved vacation or something. 
Because God knows that man probably needs it. <laughs> man, he makes millions of dollars. I'm sure we probably oh, won't shit. see another uh, Bush uh, press conference right, right, no, no. for quite a while. Because, <laughs> you know, he's only done, what, four in his... Well, he's getting kind of cocky after he was reelected. Like, he was having more and more. He's like, I yeah. got political capital, man. I'm going to spend it. I'm untouchable. But then, you know, the plummeting Iraq poll numbers, Social Security dying, and now the Rove thing... Uh, it's yeah, you don't see him talking to the press much anymore. Destroyed him. And then, yeah, Dick Cheney, we have no idea where that guy's at. As <laughs> we were talking about before, I mean, he's in his bunker somewhere. Just Hanging out with Zenu. Yeah, just waiting. Yep. Uh, however, there is one topic that Bush would desperately like to talk about because he thinks this will be an example of his, his comity and his bipartisanship, and that is... Supreme Court nominees. Yes. He has actually surprisingly been meeting with members of both parties in Congress discussing potential Supreme Court nominees. And he desperately liked to try to highlight this in the midst of like all of his mini scandals that he has popping up. Uh, but yes, yeah, surprisingly, he's talking about perhaps at least considering mainstream nominees. Uh, I mean, he's going to appoint a conservative. There's no doubt about that. But whether or not they're crazy-ass conservatives. And I think Democrats are willing to uh, accept a conservative who at least has an impartiality, uh, even willing to consider Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez. What do you think about that, Aaron? Well, that's probably the, um, I, I don't know, probably the best person that we could hope for. <laughs> But Democrats' backs are so yeah. much up against the wall. Okay, we'll take we'll take Alberto Gonzo, Marquis the de torture. Sade, the torture king. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna make torture legal throughout the entire yeah. country. Um, well, it's interesting too because I mean I think that President Bush is gonna have two Supreme Court nominees because I, just do not, I do not see Rehnquist holding on until two thousand eight, and if he does. Well, I'll take back all the bad things I've said about him because if he lasts till 2008 without croaking, <laughs> he is truly a man he's, of steel. He's the fucking reanimator. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I. <laughs> um, oh, what, what the hell was I talking about? I, uh, <laughs> sorry, we were just distracted <laughs> sorry, there for a second. Sorry, so, hey, um, what are you going to do? It's, it's not quite live radio. But, <laughs> but yes, uh, Alberto Gonzalez is seen as a moderate consensus choice. And well, he's not, he's not a Nazi when it comes to religious issues. And the weird thing is, is that Gonzalez has actually criticized Bush's uh, court appointees in the past. He yeah. criticized Priscilla Owen, who was recently confirmed in the compromise deal in the Senate for an appellate uh, judgeship. And yeah, he's not a religious zealot. However, we really don't know exactly where he stands on most social issues because he's a bit of a blank slate and um while he has shown some moderate he criticizes owen primarily for judicial activism yeah which is you know kind of admirable coming from a republican cri criticizing conservatives for judicial activism because you only hear them complaining about liberal judicial activism but uh and then there, there's the other wild card and there's been a lot of people talking about this perhaps trying to beg Sandra Day O'Connor to come out back. of retirement yeah. to take Rehnquist's position. Yeah, as this uh, uh, chief justice. Yeah. Well, Bush is really kind of, he's kind of screwed regardless of what he does on this issue. Um, because his, if he nominates Gonzalez or any other moderate, for that matter, yeah. he really 
could lose his right-wing Christian Republican base, which is, you know, what won him won him both elections in 2000 and 2004. And they believe that for their loyalty to Bush and to the Republican Party, they want to see Bush nominate a Nazi, basically. Yeah. And if a Nazi doesn't get nominated and put into the Supreme Court, then the Republican Party could potentially lose that religious base. On the other hand, though, you also have the uh, more moderate Republicans, or as I call them, economic and foreign policy Republicans. Libertarians. Right. They vote Republican primarily because they want their tax cuts and because they support the war in Iraq. <laughs> A lot of those type of Republicans, moderate Republicans, are not really hardcore fundamentalists on social issues. And if the Republicans decide to, or I'm sorry, Bush decides to um, nominate a hardcore right-wing zealot, then he has the potential of losing the moderate base of the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. So he's really kind of screwed either way he goes. Now, what I predict is going to happen is, is that he, I predict that he will have to Supreme Court nominees. I uh, Rehnquist, Rehnquist uh, it should be said for the record that Rehnquist had been checked into the hospital, and that fueled all this speculation about Bush having two appointees I in just the near don't. future. However, Rehnquist came out yesterday and said that he's not going anywhere, yeah, and as I, long as his health holds out, and God knows how long that's going to be, he's probably just going to be a head in a jar at the yeah. end of uh, his, his I don't term. See, I, I don't know. I just don't see any way he's going to last until 2008. Who knows? But anyway... Um, I think probably what Bush will do is he will nominate his, his first nomination will be a moderate like Gonzalez or possibly somebody else, which will satisfy the Democrats and it will also satisfy moderate Republicans. Then on his second choice, what he'll do is he will nominate a um, hardcore right-wing Christian coalition type judge, and that will um, that will leave his religious base happy as well. So really what he's going to do is he's going to appeal to both bases of the Republican Party, thus keeping their support. I think he's put in a bind because Rehnquist hasn't retired up until now. I think he was hoping that Rehnquist was going to retire shortly after uh, O'Connor so that he would have to, so he could just you know play it safe and appoint a moderate and a conservative, and that would retain the balance. And you know the, uh, the activist groups on both sides would would be neutralized and everybody would be happy. However, yeah. he's faced with this conundrum now that Rehnquist might not retire before the next election cycle. But he might die before the next but election Bush, cycle. Bush can't gamble that, so I think he's going to appoint a further right conservative to replace O'Connor because he has no idea if he's going to have another chance before the next elections, and he wants to appease that conservative James Dobson base before the next elections because they are the people that get out the vote. And if they are not happy in the next election cycle, they will take it out on but the if, Republicans. But if the moderates aren't happy either, then they, that might he's, push He's them. gambled on this before. Why not push him to the Democrats? And this, is, and this is part of Rove's legacy. This is part of Carl Rove's legacy. Rove was adamant about just firing up the base, getting the conservatives, because all you need is that base, and they motivate the vote, and they're the ones who vote Reliably, yeah, but and so the, you have to appease them first. But the Republicans can't necessarily win with just that base. They have to also appeal to more moderate Republicans. And if they don't appeal to those moderate Republicans, there a lot of them will go to the Democratic side. We saw yeah. that in the '90s when a lot of them voted for Clinton. Yeah. And if they don't necessarily vote 
for the Republicans, they could end up voting for you know the Libertarians or whoever else. So I think Bush I, is going to be screwed either way. Yeah, I disagree that I just because you have in the just past, because you satisfy that religious right to vote, that doesn't necessarily guarantee any type of victory. In the in past, he's always played towards the conservative base because. Rove and he know that they are the most reliable voters. They are the most reliable voters. And they've gotten them into office. Even though Bush has barely had a slim majority in popularity and like he's only been reelected in the slightest of margins, it's because he played to this conservative base and they're the ones that pushed him over that little bit. That's that's but, I that's his strategy and I think he's going to try to appease them first. Yeah, but uh, once again, though, if he goes completely nutsoid on this issue, he is going. I mean, he will lose moderate Republicans. He's losing moderate Republicans. He's already right lost now. him. I think he's already lost him. I think he's going to try and cut his losses and just try to firm up his conservative base because he's already lost them with the war in Iraq. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, but that's just my opinion. We'll see what happens. It is. It is a promising sign that he's at least meeting with. Uh, moderate Republicans and Democrats about this. Yeah. Well, see, uh, that's why he's I probably think, not going to listen to him. But yeah, that's why I think that he will appoint a, a moderate because he is realizing that he is losing a lot of people because of the war in Iraq and other issues that he wants to try to bring them back and that's try true. to sort of reassure the American people that he is this, um, you know, guy that will work with both parties and. Mm-hmm. Although I think that facade is quickly crumbling along with his honest and straightforward numbers. Yeah. Uh, but again, much like the Rove story, this is an ongoing story, so we will be commenting. Right. again. But now to the real news of the week. Oh, yes. The groundbreaking, earth-shattering news of the week. The, the, the news that affects all Americans and, in fact, the entire world in such dire, dire consequences. The new Harry Potter book. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to call the last 10 minutes of every single episode, we're going to call it Gavin Gets the Bitch About Things He Hates. I mean, this okay, <laughs> Harry Potter Harry Potter this week, what was it, last week you went off on Lance Armstrong, yes. and the week before that you went off on Star Wars. Yes. Uh, it is my yeah, goal. No rational reason for any of these hatreds, but let's just. I'm going to lay out my rationale. Okay, I was going to say, I was going to say, I will, I will, for Harry I will shut up for a second here, and you just present your platform, and then I will retort. Please do. Okay. Uh, but yes, long and short of it, I hate Harry Potter. Have you read a Harry Potter book? Or no, I have not because I hate Harry Potter. <laughs> but see, you've t- it's the same thing with Star Wars. You might you think complain, I you saw about the movies. You complained about it up. You complained about Star Wars and how much you hated Episode Three, but you didn't even see Episode Three. I didn't have to. Oh, I've seen the movies. However, okay, let's get so, back to okay, this. I just All want. Right. I want to just. You, I, I just want to get this straight, okay? Yes. You have not read a Harry Potter book no. or seen a Harry Potter movie. No, I've seen all the movies. You've seen all the movies? I've seen all the movies. Okay, well. So, okay, I know I know somewhat of what I speak. Okay. I've just seen go, all the movies. Go, and go, I, go. And I'll tell you the main reason I hate Harry Potter. It's not necessarily the books or the films themselves. They seem to be passable entertainment for children. My main criticism of Harry Potter and the phenomena that has swept the entirety of the globe in a sort of irrational fever is that a good chunk of the Harry Potter readership 
and probably a majority, no, nah, I shouldn't say a majority, but a good chunk of the Harry Potter readership are adults. I'd say probably grown men and women. I'd say probably a majority are grown adults. <laughs> who are reading children's books yeah. that are written at, at best a teen reader level, that young adult section of the library with R.L. Stein books. <laughs> Harry Potter is about on par with the Goosebumps series, you know, in that in its uh, level of uh, challenging themes and prose. However, so many parents of children and so many people of our own age in the Generation XY uh, uh, age group are obsessed with these fucking books, obsessed with these children's books. And it's, it's grown into a pandemic. Um, the fact that the media is just swooning all over itself. Like, we have the Supreme Court appointment. We have this Rove scandal going on. We have the war in Iraq happening. Right There are hurricanes in Florida. However, what is getting the most media coverage this oh. weekend? I oh, guarantee bullshit. you, you watch headline news. No, you headline news this weekend. I guarantee you, the weekend coverage is going to be devoted primarily oh. to Harry Potter and the release of the book and the line and all the muggles lining up to okay. buy the new Harry Potter book. And and just to show you how like fever pitch this has gotten in Canada, books were released early. They were released last week, I believe, by accident, and there was a very firm like street date on these things they could not be released before saturday the uh, saturday the 15th because of the secret in the book or yeah like, yeah there's like a big secret which I we'll have, talk about that i, I was gonna say we'll i have about a, that you have a theory i do i, I, I have, I have a good authority what the secret is i have a theory all as well all right, but so. we will get to that but first of all first of all these advanced copies that were released in canada the publisher freaked out about this and in fact issued a restraining order against everyone who bought the books early and in fact the entire population of Canada because yeah, but it's, we're talking about Canada conceivably here. but yeah oh, I know we're talking about Canada and there well, are a bunch of idiots up there anyway. <laughs> but it happens happened in the United States too but the, the restraining order in Canada was to prevent anybody from saying anything about the book or even reading the book but they're it's Canada. Who cares? I mean, it's gotten to the point like it's. I, it's become I don't like a, a plague. <laughs> They're like quarantining. <sighs> okay, like first the off, CDC needs to get involved here. Okay, first off, all the entire population of Canada was put under restraining order because of a children's book. Yeah, but okay. The first legal off, system in Canada I, was used. If you allow me, I'll address. To perform an I'm incensed by this. <laughs> I cannot stand this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm driven to the point of madness. I will try to address your points. Harry Potter has done it. First off, <laughs> it's Canada. I've got a heart on of rage right now. <laughs> we know people in Canada are insane to begin with. <laughs> so let's not judge Canada. Let's I will judge Canada. Let's, let's not jump to any madness. Let's not jump to any conclusions based off of the nutbags to our north. <laughs> Second off, your supposed media coverage. I haven't seen any goddamn media coverage about Harry Potter. It's okay, fine. News. Fine, it's mentioned. You know, maybe a five snippet here and there on CNN or Fox News. That's about all I've seen from it. And thirdly. There's stories, Gavin. People, children, and adults alike, they buy these books. They enjoy the story. Aaron, Aaron, they have on, a decent... Hold on, hold on, hold on. What's Aaron. wrong with that? Hold on. Have you even heard the title of the new book? 
<laughs> I have, but please. <laughs> you know the title of it. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood <laughs> Prince. <laughs> okay, it's a great title, but that doesn't change the fact that... It's almost that as bad as Attack of the Clones. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fine, it's a gay title, but it... Doesn't take away from the point <laughs> that if people buy these books, blood prince, what is he a mulatto or something? <laughs> okay, first off, children are gonna buy these books. It encourages reading. Yeah, <laughs> like a third grade level. <laughs> children buy these books. They read it. Find it gets them away from the video games a little bit. It, you know, they can. It opens up their imagination, I guess, or whatever it does for these kids. What's wrong with Why that? Why can't they just try drugs like everybody else? No. Come on, there's plenty of ecstasy on the playground. I just that will expand your horizons. I, I just don't understand you don't need why you have a problem. Crappy derivative young adult literature for that. People, <laughs> say for the fifth time here, people buy the book, they enjoy the story, and it enriches their lives. <laughs> it enriches so their lives. what? Why, why do you care? As a Western civilization, why do you care that we need? A, a fifth grade level reading material to yeah, enrich our just, souls. They're books, Gavin. That's all they are. <laughs> but the frenzy around it, Aaron, you can't deny it's a frenzy. There were people lined up around the block last night on Friday night so they could get an advanced copy so that they could read it all night so they could be like one hour ahead of people like on the West Coast so that they could find out the big secret and then log on to the Harry so, Potter chat room. So what? Who cares? It's lame. Fine, if it's it's if so that's what lame. They, if that's what they enjoy doing, and that's going to make their lives better, who cares? I do because let them I, do it. I let do, them have a good time. Let no, I am petty. I am petty, and I am argumentative, and I want to take the piss out of people that are Fine. having a good time. Let them go because to Hastings. I'm a dick. Let them go to Hastings. Let them dress up. Let them play their little. Activity games that Hastings had. The Quidditch toss. <laughs> the Quidditch toss. I have no idea what a Quidditch is. <laughs> See, yeah, you're commenting on it, and you haven't read the book or seen the movies. You don't know how bad it is, man. I can use my sick imagination to invent what a Quidditch is, but uh, <laughs> I don't even remember how it might yeah. was. But yeah, we mentioned earlier that there was like a big, big plot bombshell of yes. the new book. And that the reason that copies of the books were literally kept in chains at some bookstores was so that this new revelation would not be divulged, the big secret in the new Harry Potter book. And the speculation was that this big bombshell, this big new uh, devastating secret revolved around one of the main characters and uh, how that character will no longer be in the series after this book. And... um, I've I've had an advanced copy. And spoiler alert here for everybody listening who's a Harry Potter fan, but I I, sure I, I did get my hands on an advanced copy. I know there's a couple of people listening to this yeah. podcast who are huge Harry Potter fans. And um, if you haven't finished the book, I'm sorry, but I, I have to get this off my chest because the the secret is too huge and too important and too enormous for me to uh, maintain it on my small, fragile shoulders. Yeah, maybe you have told me this, and yes, this is taking Harry Potter to the next level. It is, it is. And uh, uh, this, this dark secret within the novel is that uh, Headmaster Dumbledore. <laughs> it's so lame. <laughs> retarded. What's the headmaster? Okay, no, this is great. This is of grave importance. How did this? this is so serious. Yeah. This is why the entire population of Canada was put under a restraining order. For Dumbledore. For Dumbledore. 
was apparently playing Quidditch. <laughs> yes. Okay, this dark secret. The reason that the entire globe is in such thrall and sway right now is that Headmaster Dumbledore. You can't Headmaster, say and, and, and Headmaster Dumbledore will no longer be in the series because he was arrested for child molestation. Yeah. yeah. That wand that Harry Potter has, yeah. it's, it's been somewhere... It's been manipulated yeah. in an inappropriate way. Yes, uh, Dumbledore was uh, taken out of Hogwarts Academy in shackles. Uh, he has retained some high-priced attorneys, uh, most of them former Michael Jackson uh, <laughs> legal staff. <laughs> and uh, uh, Harry, of course, being a minor, is not allowed to talk about the case, but it is pending. But I, I have it under good authority that Ron Weasley's weasel was weaseled in an inappropriate fashion. Yes. So, it's unfortunate. So end of spoiler alert there. I apologize to all you Harry Potter fans for having to tell you that. It's a, it's really a very dark turn for the series. You know, yeah. It's supposed to be good for the whole family. J.K. Rowling just went to a dark place, man. Yeah. She's, um, she's taking it to the next level. You I know think. that she's a billionaire? She is literally heard, a billionaire. I have heard that she is now one of the richest people in the world. Yes, she is. Because of these lame-ass books. <laughs> I could probably write a book on the same level. Yeah, and I guarantee you that you could. Uh, and okay, you know what? Um, the reason so, I keep bringing up these topics just to infuriate people who listen <laughs> to the show is because and I there's got, really no other reason. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's true. Because I I wanted to provide some balance to the show because I spend a majority of the show ragging um, on the conservatives. I spend a majority of the show ragging on uh, fundamentalists and extremists and throwing red meat to liberals and progressives. And so I figured just in the name of fairness, I will, <laughs> I will rag on those aspects of my own community that I find the most troubling. <laughs> and, and the wayward turns that the progressives and liberals have taken, mostly in their cu cultural choices. Uh, and so it is out of journalistic integrity that I hate Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Lance Armstrong in Star Wars. The uh, Lance Armstrong is is the one person that I just do not understand your hatred. Listen to the show. I, mean, I laid out my arguments. Okay. Yeah, yeah we're, we're not going to go into Lance Armstrong. No, again, no, we spent enough listen, time on that. Listen to last week's show, yeah. and you will hear Gavin's ranting about Lance Armstrong, and it is completely irrational and stupid. But as last and, week's podcast, Gavin, listen to last week's podcast. And Gavin really. has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> I'll let Yed be the judge of that. Our probably only one listener, right? <laughs> and once again, you, the listener, yeah. can make your own judgments here. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we've gone on long enough yeah. here on Punditocracy. So we will close the show with our recurring segment that we like to call Things That Don't Suck. So, Aaron, this week, is there anything that doesn't suck? Yes. Yes. There is. Court TV all week has been uh, having um, many cop marathons. They've been showing um, the series Cops from 6 till 9 o'clock every single night. And um, I have been wa religiously watching the show, and I find it incredibly just interesting and great. It is, you know, it is true reality television. It's the uh, it's the Mardi Gras episodes. Oh, God 